Hi, my name is Jessica Cook and welcome to my podcast. My mission is to empower women over 40 to transform their lives through fitness. I've made this podcast so I can share with you my tips, tools and strategies I use in myself and my clients to get you feeling fit and healthy, feeling great in your clothes, with so much energy and positivity back in your life, no matter what your age. Head over to jessicacook.ie and you'll find lots of free stuff to get you started on your journey. Welcome everybody to this latest podcast episode. I am so excited. I have a very, very special guest on, Dr. Kira Belviso, a mindfulness coach. And I'm really excited to share her story because it's really inspiring. And when I think of Kira, words that spring to mind are action taker, go-getter, courage, bravery. So if you're looking for inspiration and motivation, if you're not currently happy with what you're doing, whether it's in your career, your personal life, or you're afraid of change, or you're afraid of the path ahead, then I really think you might enjoy Kira's story. Um, so just say to you now, make sure you've got a cup of tea and you're comfortable. Um, we're going to get stuck in now in a few minutes. I also want to say, I know I always say in my podcast episodes that if you were to take one thing from each episode, I would be just so delighted. So I just want to be really clear um, that what I feel you may really get out of this podcast episode. So really, I'm talking to you if you really want to make a change in your life, um, but you're petrified or you're scared of making a change um, or you're afraid you're going to lose the comfort or the balance that you feel that you have now um, by making that change. So I'm hoping this podcast episode will give you the courage to go ahead and do the thing you want to do um, by listening to Kira's extremely inspiring story. I have so much admiration and uh, respect for Kira. Um, so Kira is a mindfulness coach. Kira, you're a mindfulness coach. Um, but let's work back from that and sure. tell me a bit about yourself and your background and what you used to do. Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, like you said, I, I, I trained as a doctor. Um, so that was my identity for a very long time. Um, and um, I guess even going back further from that, I was um, I was born in Kilkenny, um, a proud cat. Um, I've lived in Dublin for more than half my life now, but I'm still from Kilkenny as far as I'm concerned. Um, but um, yeah, I was the second of four kids. And uh, so we had a very pleasant, normal childhood in, um, in the countryside in Kilkenny. Um, did lots of sports and everything and just really loved it. Um, but I think I suppose when I look back with the hindsight of 2020 vision in hindsight, I was I was always driven by trying to be perfect, by trying to be better than I thought I was Um, never thought I was enough Um, nothing I ever got was enough. You know, I could come home with 97 percent in an exam and I was always disappointed in myself because I hadn't gotten 100% or, you know, um, I'd missed something or I'd done something stupid would be what I would say. Um, and that followed me through my life, my careers, my different iterations of my career, um, just always trying to be better. And even if I 
did really, really well. And people would say to me, just like, you know, when listening to you introducing me there, and a few years ago, I would have been like, who is she talking about? Because it's not me. Um, but um, yeah, always sort Can of I ask pushing you, myself. Um, do you think that, was it a, did you come from a very high achieving family? And what do you feel like you were always trying to be better because of that? Or do you feel like you were like that from a very young age because you was part of your, your genetic makeup? I think it was probably a bit of both. I mean, we, we were from a high achieving family and my dad was a teacher and, um, you know, so academia was really, really important in our family. And, um, and, and whilst we did lots of other things, you know, um, you know, I did, as I said, I did lots of sports, you know, and, um, but all of that was hobbies. Academia was my thing. And um, um, so I think, and, and and I think we were celebrated. And I guess you know, now that I'm a bit older and I'm reading about imprinting and all this stuff, um, I think the the, the messages that I learned was that I needed to always be perfect. And I was dead like you. You know, I'm, I can be a bit stubborn, and um, I I was stubborn in my getting somewhere and if I had a goal I was pretty single-minded on getting there um which served me really really well <laughs> up until um you know up until my career and I suppose I can say when it was just me or when it was just me and my husband when when, when we got together because I could be single-minded and um, and go after what I wanted um and and do whatever I needed to do to get it um and when um, you were striving to be perfect, um, did you feel stressed out or or not? Or, did, or or was there underlying stuff that you didn't even know? Or did you just how did it how do, how was how was that trying to be perfect with everything? I think you know, um, and I suppose being brutally honest, I probably had two personas I had the external facing care I suppose most of us have you know we have the person that people see on the outside who would you know take everything in her stride I was always told oh you seem so calm and I would be underneath it all in knots you know and I used to kind of um jokingly say I'm like the swan you know you think I might look calm but underneath I was pedaling 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 away like crazy to try and keep going um and yeah and then I had the other part of me which you know it was it was that constant up and down you know you know you keep striving striving and striving you'd get whatever your goal was for that week that month that day whatever and and then I would just I'd come home and you know um I lived on my own and I'd come home and I would turn I'd even turn the intercom off so if somebody was to ring the doorbell I didn't have to answer it and I could sit for a weekend and just just nearly recover and build myself up and then go back out again so yeah. I don't know if I've ever I don't think I've ever shared that but yeah that was the way I was in you know back when I those are the things I can remember back in the time when I was doing and I was doing you know I was a junior doctor at that time um as well you know through a lot of it so I was doing crazy hours as well and you know long shifts and things so yeah, I would just keep going and then collapse and then pick myself up, you know, just retire away by myself. And you can do that when you're on your own and, you know, you're, um, and then just keep on going again and, yeah, just pushing on. <laughs> so you became a doctor. Mm. 
And yeah, did. how did you find that? Um, I loved it. I mean, I said from the age of five, I was going to be a doctor. Uh, and that was my mindset when I said it. And I don't know whether it got, I mean, my parents never particularly encouraged it. They thought it would be a very difficult career path. Um, but I think when you say I'm going to be a doctor as a kid, people go, oh, that's so cute. And I think I did get that positive feedback and external validation, I suppose, that I did crave. Um, so by gosh, I was doing it <laughs> and, um, and I did and I enjoyed it and I specialized. I, I specialized in rheumatology. I loved that. Absolutely loved it. Um, and still do to read all the information about it um it's, I, I found it fascinating i the time that i started working in it was a really great time of advancing therapeutics and management of patients and i got great fulfillment from that um but then there were always patients that you would look at and go gosh you know there has to be another way that we can manage this and i think what even what i'm looking at now and the way i look at people at life now and i suppose my own life experience you realize how much how how not that we don't we, we do undervalue wellness and i think the world we've all had a big kick in the last couple of years about how wellness actually in our health it really is important um but now you know i say to i say to a lot of people that I used to be very focused on disease and managing disease. And now I think I'm more focused on wellness and staying as well as we can. Um, and that's because I've had to focus on that for myself, I think. So it's made me really realize as I'm getting older, how important it is to be well. Um, yeah. And to live well. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about your um, change from your, your career change. You, you were a doctor and then what? So I worked in clinical medicine uh, for 13 years um, and then I suppose things started to change for me when I met my now husband um, and I suppose he has a, he would have a quite a different mindset. He is Australian, so he has more of that. I think they do as a nation have that you work to live as opposed to living to work which i certainly had done for the previous 20 years um and i was beginning to struggle and beginning to question what i had done and why i was doing it and and, and i likened it to you know i remember hearing um a podcast once um i think i think it was passively i can't remember exactly but he said mentioned something about climbing to the top of a mountain and before you even look at the view you're looking at the next mountain and going oh that's my next challenge and I felt that was my life over and over um, and, and I think you know I also got to the top of the mountain and looked and went don't really know that I want to be on this mountain <laughs> um, and especially when it came to there being other people involved in my life so if I, I think if I had never gotten married, I've never had kids, I probably would still be in clinical medicine. So I started looking at what can I do that might give me a little bit more balance um, in my where life. Did get, where did you get the courage to change? Because it must, you must have felt really comfortable, as you described, at the top of the mountain. Where did you find the courage to go, I'm actually going to go and change this? Um, I had a pretty horrific weekend on call and um, I was a consultant at the time but I don't think I got very much sleep that weekend um, and 
I remember at the time I was working where I was working, my husband, my, uh, Tony was working in Dublin. We met halfway um, and um, just for dinner that night because of the Monday night after that weekend. And I, I just was nearly shell-shocked. I think, you know, when I look back on it now, I think I was actually, and I think I probably look back on my life and go, I've burnt out a couple of times, but I think I did burn out. Um, and, and I know that's a real cliche word to use now, but, but looking back on it, I was very, I just was like, gosh, you know, like, I really was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. How am I going to do this for the next, you know, I think I was 30, 37, 38. How am I going to do this for the next 30 years? And um, Tony said to me, just, why don't you just quit? <laughs> and my first response was like, just quit. You can't become a doctor and just quit. And he was like, why not? <laughs> and, um, um, and we just sat down and I did pros and cons. And I said, let's look at other things. Um, and at that time then I didn't quit medicine. I haven't, and I still, I'm, I'm a registered medic. Um, but I, I moved to pharmaceutical medicine at the time, which um, actually gave me kind of fulfillment and balance in my life that I needed and reduced that. I did, you know, it's sort of that you don't realize until after you finish something how stressful it was. Mm. And it really helped to reduce the stress in me. That's amazing. Time. And before we move on from this, because I just want to yeah. remember to ask you, <clears throat> do you remember feeling scared at the time? Because I just know loads of people listening to this fear really is the biggest obstacle for people making changes. And I just know even personally loads of people that want to make changes, but they're just holding back. They might hate their job or really want to change because it's too much or whatever the reasons are, but you did it. And not only that, but you've done it twice. So I really want to hone in on this. Like, do you remember deciding you were going to leave, but how did you cope with the fear and the doubt and the worry and the stress? What, what, like, um, think of the people that are listening now. They're like, Kira, tell me, tell me. Yeah, and and I guess, you know, we, we can come on to it later. An awful lot of what I try and what I hope I can do in my, my new life of uh, my, my new iteration of mindfulness coaching is to actually get people to have the awareness before they get to the stage where I got to and um I actually got to a stage where I you know I didn't just throw the towel in and um, that time you know I I looked at my pros and cons list I wrote I wrote a lot and um, I I journal a lot I wrote a lot of stuff down um I was really lucky to have a very understanding partner at the time who was a soundboard for me. Um, he was the only one I think I told at the time. Um, but I, it wasn't easy. You know, there's no point in, you know, it was not easy and the fear did hit me. And the day before I handed in my notice, you know, I, and even telling my colleagues, like I was, you know, I'm not going to lie about it. I was in, I, I was physically sick. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it is not easy, but I did get to that stage where I knew I had to do what was right for me. So and looking back, was making the decision the toughest part? Just yeah. is once you yeah. make the decision, is the rest a little bit easier? Yeah, I think it is. I think because once you say one, uh, and and now I know 
I know why through my mindfulness and positive psychology training but but I think once you say it and even for me it was write it down that um it, it make it, it really starts the cogs working in the back of your mind where you kind of go well what are the options that are available to me here oh I love that um, so yeah making the decision is the most important mm -hmm. beginning of the process yeah. and sometimes you don't even know you don't know what you're going to do you know or you where you're going to go or what you're going to end up doing but for me it was it was actually becoming aware to the fact that I was just you know it's like I used to say in French class in school metro boulot boulot dodo I think was the was the term and um you know, I was just on that cycle, going on and on and on, and I could probably still be on that cycle if I hadn't actually stopped and become aware and wakened up to, well, actually, hang on a sec, how do I feel here? Do you um, remember the moment that you decided, because it sounds like it, it must be such a lovely feeling, toing and froing, back and forth, yes or no, yes or no, and then decision done. Do you remember that moment that you decided? Yeah, no, yeah, no, I yes. do. Yeah, and you do, you get that. And I think the one thing that's made me that I've really realized and again it's you know it's hindsight again an awful lot of this stuff but you know I look back and there are things I've done in my life I'm a, I'm a planner and I'm I would never have called myself a risk taker and it was actually afterwards people when people said to me god you're so brave god you're taking such big risk I never it never even crossed my mind because in my head I'm not one of those people so I but actually, when I look back, I knew in my gut I was doing the right thing. And I think you know, when you know, you know. Um, and what really did help me as well, if it might be helpful to people, was I used to look forward. I was young enough at the time to look forward and say, when I'm 65, will I look back and regret doing this? Or will I look back and say, gosh, thank God I did it. I've moved 65 to 85 now. <laughs> I'm getting a bit older. <laughs> but... Um, but um, that actually is one really good way, I think, as well, especially in the early days where like, I follow my intuition a lot more now, but I wouldn't have necessarily, you know, I was very much mind over heart back then and logic, logic, logic my way in and out of everything. Yeah. Um, but I think if you ask yourself that and just the first thing that comes into your head, that's your answer, you know. Yes, so much. Did you embrace fear? Because I mean, it really does take courage and bravery to change mm -hmm. something and to go, oh, there, there's more out there for me. I know there is. Um, did you feel fear and go with the fear? Or did you try and hide from the fear? Do you remember? Um, I think, and I can probably think even more recently where I've taken a career break. Um, I think I run with fear a bit more now. Um, and I think probably again, what's gone on in the last few years and with myself and physically and things I've kind of had to, had to go, well, this could happen or that could happen. So, you know, let's just live with what we think is right. And yeah, if it's scary, it's scary, but isn't it better than, you know, I think I trust myself more that there's another, there's, there's an option available if, um, if the fear if, if it doesn't work out, you know, it's not the end of the world. Whereas I think before it's like, it would have been like, oh, what have I done? Whereas now I'm a bit more like, 
a bit more pragmatic and go, okay, well, option A hasn't worked out. Let's see what option B can bring for me. Yeah, terrific. So tell me how you you came to become yeah. a mindfulness coach because there's a, there's a there's a middle part missing now. Yeah, there is. There's ten years middle part missing. So um, yeah. So I guess I after I went into pharmaceutical medicine, you know, I I I I said things would you know life would become more slow and and it didn't really and um, and I think you know it's very hard to unlearn habits of that have been 30 40 years in the making um so i kept striving and i climbed up another mountain and went <laughs> and and this time i think i was kind of you know i was on the mountain going is this the one i want to be on um but i had my kids um i i suppose if i look back in the space of 18 months i had two children two not twins for two children um for for for, for those who, who don't know me um 10 months apart i had a hysterectomy uterectomy and entered menopause and i oh we moved house i broke my ankle and um, when i think when you look back and i had um uh, i i was facing into i suppose at the end of the yeah and actually still within the two years i had a bilateral mastectomy as well um so I never had cancer. Um, I had um, a very high risk and I was in my early 40s having my second child. So I was a very high risk of developing cancer. So I made the decision to to go down the prophylactic route. Um, but all this was going on in my personal life and work was going on as well. Um, and, you know, so work was the day job was was good, fine, was enjoying it in and out, had a lot of you know, you know, I, I was lucky to work um, with a company that give you an awful lot of autonomy with what you do, um, and a lot of flexibility. Um, but I was you doing it all of that, Kira. That's an awful, awful lot. You know, I did. I kind of regressed, I guess, in a way, um, and I went went back into hero mode of you know let's take action and let's do this let's push on through and you know like you know i i, I was doing a postgraduate diploma at the same time i remember walking with my the day before the exams walking with the baby on my arm trying to study and you know it like i just kept adding more and more to the pile because if you if i if i stopped to think about it i was yeah i think i think you know i need to talk about face with fear but i think there was a fear in there if i stop it'll all go belly up um and when it's i look funny, back and I, I, I i just want to stop you briefly on that because i was only talking to a client the other day who has an awful lot going on in her life very negative at the minute very stressful and she she also said the same thing she she, she doesn't want to talk about it she's afraid if she does she'll get so upset that she'll stop yeah like, what do you say to somebody that is thinking that I mean, do you think that they're, for want of a better word, right in that sense? Or like, what do you do if somebody yeah. is, is like, what's the alternative? And, and it's really, it's, I suppose, and, and there's no right or wrong answer, I think, to that. Because having been there, you, you do keep going. And at that stage, I was at the stage where I had, you know, two little things that were dependent on me and um and 
but yet was also, you know, successful career woman. And um, I think, I, yeah, I think, I think, and I think women do it especially. I think we, you know, we 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 work like we're single, but we um, we parent like we don't work, or we try to. And I think the problem with driving on through is it will eventually come crashing down and it came crashing down on me you know um and even then when it did i was like you know i looked at it and went you know and i and i remember the day and at that stage you know i was traveling back and forth to the uk um to work three days a week um and and again you know i have a very supportive partner and um like he was he was pulling big shifts as well at that time when I was traveling back and forth to mind the kids and like we were like ships in the night he was going out to do night shifts and I'd arrive in from the airport and we'd literally hand over the cars with the two baby seats in it and he'd take the one without the baby seats so it was a crazy time um but it got to a stage for me where I was sitting on the floor in the kitchen crying one day because I just like it just hit me it like like a ton of bricks um but I still defaulted to there must be something I can do there must be something I can do and I think for me it was at that time to get a coach and that's when my life changed but I think I think for for your you know for, for the, the 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 person that you're talking about like God, my heart goes out to them because I remember that so well. Um, you can't tell them you have to stop, you know, they have to come to that conclusion themselves. But I think if they even paused for a moment to think about it, they know that they're running to standstill. Yeah. Or they will know that they're running to standstill. Yeah. Um, because it, it's you can't keep it up. Um, but, it, you know, it's like I have so many it's it's funny you know so many people say to me oh my gosh how can I get my you know friend cousin sister partner boyfriend how can I get them to embrace this mindfulness thing could I put them could I book them into a course and I'm like well you know again you can bring a horse to water but you can't make them they have to make that decision themselves mm. um yeah but, but and I think everybody knows that that's not sustainable in mm. the long term I knew it wasn't yeah. sustainable in the long term I just didn't know a way out Mm. You know. So tell me about the leap. Tell me about leap. this leap to becoming a mindfulness coach. Yeah. So, um, so what happened was that there was the day crying on the floor in the kitchen, and my um, and I, I, I had been told about this great coach, and I suppose I had been. And when I look back. I probably had been kind of like, oh my gosh, it's so hard, the job of this, that, and the other. And a friend of mine um, had worked with a, a coach and gave me her details, had been a few months before. And I just texted this lady and um, we met up. And within about 15 minutes, I suppose, of us having a conversation, she said to me, God, you're hard on yourself. And I, my response at the time was, well, how else would I succeed? And, um, you know, and, it was, and, that, and again, that was me defaulting back to you're not enough. You have to keep, you know, 
going because even if it looks perfect there's probably a more perfect version of it that you can work on and um she asked me did I ever hear of somebody called Kristen Neff and I said no so my homework for that my day of that session was to go and listen to her TED talk on YouTube and I know I've shared it before with your group um and I have to say that was the day that I went oh <laughs> okay hang on a sec um I can actually be nice to myself and talk to myself but my you know my I've you know um my inward voice always was you're crap you're crap not you know that's not good enough that's not good enough you're crap. and it used to be your crap that was the default that used to come up um all the time and um I said so I said to um so I started listening to her and then I read I bought the book um Kristen Neff's book and the the, the three components of self-compassion one of them includes mindfulness um, because you have to be aware of how you're feeling or what you're doing or what or what you're saying to yourself. I mean, I used to be saying this stuff to myself and not really, you know, be conscious of it. Um, so I started looking into mindfulness. Um, and again, um, I suppose this is part of, you know, and it served me well this time, but um, old Kira, I was kind of like, well, why learn about mindfulness when I can get myself a qualification in it? And I was sort of collecting, you know, I've collected qualifications over the years. So I did a diploma in mindfulness and positive psychology um, through COVID. Um, I think at that time I'd had, a, I'd gotten a promotion at work and it was pretty stressful. And I got it about two months before the pandemic sort of really started. Um, and mindfulness and really, really embedding it into my life changed my life massively um and continuing to study self-compassion has really changed my life uh so my passion what are the most <clears throat> obvious ways you've noticed that you've gone oh my god that's changed my life what what kind of stuff i well i suppose from back then from from, from that what from, you described from back then yeah yeah um I stop myself now. I have certain trigger words that I know that are not good for me. Um, should being one of them. If I hear myself saying I should do this. Um, so did what happen was you were in, in your work, you got a promotion, you were really busy. We were going into COVID. You started this course. So what happened then? Did all of a sudden, was it like you were living your life, learning this stuff, and then all of a sudden the two didn't match and you were like, oh my God. I can't believe I talked to myself like that. Like that? Did it start to kind of happen like that? Yeah, a little bit. Um, so, I mean, it, you know, it, it, it's not, it wasn't a great big massive shift. Um, but I really started, I think with the, with the mindfulness practice, um, I started realizing much more what automatic thoughts were popping up mm. and noticing them and challenging them. Mm. and um so so i feel like back then and especially you know you know what how it how it is with you know for me for my experience i you know the young with young kids and going to work and at that time it was working at home so it was like walking up the steps and going on a zoom call and you know you'd have a break and go oh gosh i need to put the wash in or and you know the kids were home for an awful lot of it and suppose I started looking, realizing how I was talking to myself. And when I 
see my, my, my girls and I go, gosh, I don't ever want them to talk to themselves like that. Mm. And um, so that so that motivated me. And then it was just noticing like, oh, actually, should I should I say, the, you know, would I say this if I was talking to Jessica? Mm. If Jessica said to me, gosh, that was a real struggle. And I'm really upset. Would you say, yeah, that's because you're crap. You know, you've never been good at managing people. And, you know, what do you think you're doing or this that, and the other? And I started and I started saying, well, what would I say to them? And you don't I didn't believe it at the start, mm. um, you know, um, and turning things around, I think you, you go up and you go down, you know, I there are times where I was going, oh, my gosh, I am like on top of the world. I am brilliant at this mindfulness stuff. And then you start realizing I should have been I, I was like, well, actually, that's old Kira. <laughs> that's old Kira who has to be the best at what she does. Um, but um yeah I think you just gradually start to notice and and the meditation is like it, it's building the muscle it's the workouts you don't you know we're not doing you know you don't have us doing stand-ups just well, they're tough but it's because you know and every time you do it you say think of when you're older and you'll be able to get up off the floor and I had a bad fall recently where I cut my hands last year and I remember at the time having to get up using a stand-up because I couldn't use my finger, my hands. And um, going, oh, okay, I didn't have to wait till I was older and it's standing up. These things do actually count. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I gradually started to notice I was building up that mindfulness muscle where I was able to switch myself back into the present moment mm. more easily and become more awake to what I was doing. And what I realized was that I was spending so much time either ruminating over what I'd done wrong in the past, be that the past 10 minutes or going, oh my gosh, you know, I was master of to-do lists. Like, you know, I'd have to-do lists about everything. So I was constantly in the future um, thinking about, I need to do this. I'm going to do that and then I have to do these and if they all work together then the day goes smoothly <laughs> and um and again I just started going what is the story here and gradually over time and you do a lot of journaling and a lot of reflection and when I look back on some of the things I journaled about um in the first few you know the first few weeks of our mindfulness or the first few months of our mindfulness course I was like wow like you know that I, I'm a very different person to that person now and I started realizing that really I was just hustling and hustling and hustling. Whereas if I, if you asked me, what do I like to do? I was like, well, I like to spend time with family. I like to, you know, just be at home cooking, doing this, doing that. But I was living this life of hustle, hustle, hustle all the time. And, you know, you have to do this and you have to be back at the creche by this time in order to pick the children up. And, and often it wasn't closing time. It was the time I in my head was like, well, my mom and dad were both home at this time when I was a kid. So I should be at home with my pet, my kids at this time, or you know, we should be do we should be doing this again. That's the word, you know. I was telling myself all the time. So I think it's really lovely that you're getting into this really beautiful sense of self now. Like it sounds almost as if you're really finding who you are, and then mm. adjusting your life around who you actually are and your who what your soul is all about. It sounds just really lovely, like a real. Yeah authenticity that's coming through now and that's changing your life because of you being yourself and what you yeah yeah and I think I think that is it I mean you know I mean I remember it 
it was really hard for me to admit that one of the things that really upset me was that I didn't drop pick my kids up from school and but it did it played on my mind all the time and um and I remember collecting them one day one of the girls we used to, I used to go and collect them on their birthdays and I remember collecting them one one of the girls one day and and um the teacher came out and she was like oh my gosh we have heard about this for the last two weeks and it was like for me it was like a dagger through my soul and I think when I and again it's back to that when you actually take that pause and you go gosh that was all I wanted really I wanted to be able to bring them to school pick them up from school and have that little bit of time because we were all seeing each other at our worst you know we were you know they'd see me I'd be after a day of work but still trying to you know keep an eye on emails and keep an eye on this that and the other they'd be exhausted having been in crash from half seven in the morning to us collect them at five half five in the evening you know I was going this is not what I wanted when I had my kids so where um, did you find again the courage and bravery to say I'm going to change this again um I think this time I I suppose I had I think I think I had done it before <laughs> that always makes it easier um I also had the I mean I've taken a career break so um I think back then and and I'll you know use uh, you know, they all are not, I had an all or nothing mentality. I was either all in or all out. Whereas I think now I've learned that you can actually do things differently. And just because it's not the, I suppose the, the, the standard, you know, cookie cutter version of whatever, it doesn't mean that it's different. And um, I also appreciate my skills more now than I did before. I didn't think I had any skills for anything other than the exact job I was doing before is now I can see that they're a lot broader. So a huge part of me, um, again, just, I just knew it was right. I knew that if I didn't give it a go and if I didn't take the time that I would look back and regret it. Um, and I certainly have had enough kind of feedback from different you know, people would say it's feedback from the universe, but just different things that have happened mm. that um, over the last year that has made me go, oh, so glad I took that. I did that. I took that chance and I took the time off. For those listening in that are thinking to themselves, because I, 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 I've talked also to an, a, a few other clients. One in particular comes to mind who really wants to go into a practice with um, masseuse and uh, oils and things like that. Yeah. Uh, she works full-time public sector and I'm just thinking of her now listening to this and she's thinking oh well it's okay for you maybe um I have to do this job because I put food on the table etc etc yeah. um I mean there's there's always a way though isn't there like you can get your course you can then practice while you're working mm -hmm. like so so you can still go ahead and make the decision that you're going to change and it doesn't matter all the all the worries like for example financial worries or time worries 
that really doesn't matter yet. Do you know what I mean? It's it's kind of yeah. I, I would say take it in a step by step, like don't be rushing right ahead and think of all that stuff. Just the first step is to decide. Then the next step might be to do a course, and the next step might be to take on a few clients while you're working. Like, but because it, yeah. it might be different for everybody how they can approach it because of certain limitations different people have. But it, it's not any difference yeah. making the decision. That's the, that's that's still the first thing to do is to make the decision regardless of what else is going on in your family life. Yeah, I think I think it is, and I think, and you know, I have been. I, I suppose two things stood to me. Um, I, and, and I was incredibly privileged with both of them. Um, I was lucky enough, lucky enough to, I got the promotion. Um, and at that time I was looking at living a bit more simply and, you know, whereas years ago, I suppose if I had gotten a promotion, I would have gone to Grand Thomas and bought handbag and new pair of shoes I wasn't really doing that I also was a little bit kind of oh actually hang on a sec um what where do I want to go what do I want to do and I wanted to have a bit of a cushion and 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 when COVID happened and you know nobody was doing anything but what I did was even before COVID happened I said well I'm any increment I'm getting I'm not I'm not spending it so I live I, I lived as if I had my old salary on my new salary um, and I saved and I saved um, and and like I didn't you know I wasn't totally frugal or anything but I guess compared to a lot of people I probably was you know pilfering a little bit of money away and, and it's quite interesting because in the last 12 months since I've stopped work and I did have that kind of nest cushion that would tide us over for a bit um, I I've nearly had to not reverted, but I've enjoyed myself because I've kind of gone, well, okay, here we are. It's summertime. This is the first summer I've been off with the girls ever. It might be the last. Let's go get ice cream. I've been doing a little bit of out and about more. But um, but I think you're right. I think if you look at, you know, even now, if I look down the line, I don't know what, what way things will work out. And um, I'm doing what I can do at the moment and um and I'm beginning to kind of look and go okay you know let's start really focusing on 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 your finance again and I I completely recognize that I was really blessed with being able to do what I did to um take time off work because I I know a lot of people who have said to me gosh I'd love to be able to do that um but it's a little but, bit like that Frozen 2 song is coming to mind, like just do the next right thing. And I keep thinking about that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just do the next thing. And that's, you know, because like I said, I didn't do, like, and I started the mindfulness teacher training course saying, saying um, at the time, well, actually, I really am into self-compassion. You have to do 200 hours of mindfulness in order to become a self-compassion, a mindful self-compassion teacher and move down the line or whatever it was and um I said so I'm doing this course in order to do that and um because I want to you know get more into the self-compassion side of things and, I, and I'm still doing that gradually but um but I, but I did not do the course again for me it was just well I may as well pay for a qualification as opposed to just pay to do a course that was the way I worked at the time and I didn't do it with a thought of I'm going to be doing 
teaching mindfulness in a couple of years time um so so it was very much it was like well actually what can i do where can i go how can i do this um and 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 like i said i think you just you do i i really now strongly believe and it's kind of like you know your best ideas pop up um I know I've said to you, I said to you earlier, my best ideas sometimes pop up in the middle of a workout, something comes up and I'm like, oh, I'll scribble that in a post-it, I'll come back to it later. Or if you're in the shower, it's when you kind of relax. And I think your mind is always processing and filing things away um, in your subconscious and things are popping out. Um, so I think once you sow a seed, you can actually really start to change things. Um, and, and once you say this is what i want to do then doors do start opening and opportunities do start opening yeah i love that um i want you to tell everybody <clears throat> about your business and how to get in touch with you and things like that but before we do i just wanted to ask you for those listening now and i and i know even myself that there's a lot um of people unhappy with situations what would be like your top three tips just imagine somebody just feeling like shit they're up rock bottom they don't know what to do but they know they want to change and they and they haven't that they know what they want to do they know what they want to do those people but they're not doing it mm. what are a few tips that you would that would come to your mind where would they start mm. would it be like what where would they start um i think yeah it's it, the, the the first thing i would say is um and the easiest way to start um, is, and it might sound like this to people, is to start with gratitude um, for where you are and what you have um, at, at that moment. And um, I keep gratitude journal every night. I, I struggled with it. It used to be something I went into when I needed it and then I'd let it drop and then back. I Last year, um, my New Year's resolution was to keep a gratitude journal and i did it and i think it makes a huge difference to your life um and i think i think you start there because it, the whole idea you know everybody's heard of you know saying affirmations but it's not pollyanna like life life happens life you know all of us have good good days bad days and um, we don't live in this pollyanna world but i think if you look at the idea of positive psychology is that actually you get to build positivity into your life and more positive and ex more positive experiences into your life and it can be something as small as you know for example don't know why but i was up at half two this morning with the dog who decided she wanted to go out to the toilet <laughs> and um, she never does that but at half two this morning i was pretty cranky having to get up in the cold and come downstairs and go out and then I looked up and the sky was so beautiful. I, it was just, you know, in those beautiful, frosty, beautiful days. And it can be something that simple that will probably go in my gratitude journal tonight. Those beautiful stars last night, that robin that I saw, that cup of tea that I had, it can be. And like sometimes you are sitting there going, like coffee is in my gratitude journal an awful lot um you know it's like that cup of coffee i had this morning or that whatever um yeah. but it's finding small things because these are the things that just um you know there's that great expression that our mind is um teflon for the good and velcro for the bad and if we don't make the effort to actually notice the good it will just pass on by 
because our mind won't even register it, but it will pick up that, oh my gosh, you know, he didn't, you know, he didn't put his dishes in the dishwasher again. Or, scientifically as well, like it lowers your inner complainer. I thought that was really cool. But mm. over time it lowers it lowers it, yeah. The inner yeah. negative complainer that we all have. Yeah. And and I mean and, and, and that's you know, we're wired for negativity. It's our survival instinct. And it's not a bad thing, but it's that awareness of it. And that's what mindfulness is not about being you know it's not about emptying your mind it's not about being sitting there in grateful peace and wonder and but it is about being present in that actual moment and and what you often find and, and is and if I give an example back to I suppose pre-mindfulness and post-mindfulness I had one of my surgeries post starting a mindfulness practice um, and being a small you know I was very early days couple of months into it but eight weeks is enough if you practice to change the way your mind fires um but i remember you know the time before that you know the scar or the sore being sore being in pain and you know if you actually go oh, i'm actually in pain this is sore that's what's happening but what was happening for me was if i look back years ago i was like oh my god i'm in pain what if that means that the you know I'm rejecting that something's happened and it's I'm rejecting the implants or there's an infection brewing or there's this or there's that or there's the other so you're actually not present in what's actually happening which is the pain you're present in the what if this happens in the future mm. what if this is what it means yeah. so 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 mind like so mindfulness and positive psychology is not about becoming little miss sunshine um it's about actually being present in your moment and finding the genuine good bits and um yeah and i think that the, and because of this bias that the brain has for negativity and positivity um versus positivity you do need to have an at least a three to one ratio of positive to out you know to outrank a negative and mm -hmm. um, so i always try to write five things down in my gratitude journal um, one thing I do is, and I did it when I was still working um, daily, was I tried to have something about work and something about my husband in it. <laughs> and the kids come in it all the time, even though they're probably the ones that drive me craziest of all. But they, they, they're in there all the time. But actually, it's very easy to not to 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 look at the negative things that maybe the people the people that are close yeah. to you which in my case would be my husband um and also i think we're also used to you know people going into oh you know this yeah you, you can be surrounded by complaining and yeah. people bond over their love of complaining about yeah. certain things so actually and even if it is just it's given me money to pay this bill or giving me money to buy food today or whatever um but just have something positive that you can find that you can think about um because you, you can if you think about it and it's i love that and i love that you mentioned um eight weeks because there's there's real hope for people in that so mm -hmm. first step um mm -hmm. gratitude from that place of practicing gratitude uh one more tip if you could for people wanting to change scared of change knowing what they want to do mm. gratitude and gratitude every day and then where do they take it from there in your yeah, opinion and i think i think that 
um, and and we we cover it in, in part of the course as well. And I know we've spoken about it before um, with your group, but the unhelpful, there's a lot of unhelpful thinking styles that some of them we've been conditioned with often through from childhood. Um, as I mentioned before, I'm a real shudder and that's so it's it's actually picking up. And if you Google unhelpful thinking styles, you will see the list of them, you know, magnification, catastrophe, um, ca I can't say the word, but catastrophizing um, all or nothing thinking. Um, and just look at them. And I always say you'll pick them up in other people before you'll pick them up in yourself because we're much more attuned <laughs> to what's going on with other people than we are in ourselves. But I'm a, I'm a very much a shudder. And for me, it's when I hear that word, I actually now kind of go, oh, hang on. what am I shudding about here? And is it something I need to be shudding about or is it something that, you know, I'm I'm just laying this thing on that I should be, you know, you know, yesterday I was out, I had to, to, to had an appointment and, and there was part of me that went, I should be working out now. I should be on the workout. Mm. And I was like, yeah, but you can't be on the workout here. <laughs> so come here to where you are now. And uh, yeah, so, so it's, that, that will be one of the things, um, another thing. And then there's a third, if I would say, if I could say a third, um, and this is one that we learned on, um, that we learned on our course as well, but um, I, you know, having a little trigger. So for some people, it's every time, you know, they turn the kettle on just to go, where am I now? And to bring your mind back to where you are and to actually notice what have you been thinking about? Cause often you won't even be aware of it, but you've been thinking about something that's worrying you mm. and going, well, actually now I'm going to now I'm making, putting on the kettle and I'm making a cup of tea. And then you're in that moment then. Um, I do it when I turn on a switch and a light switch in a room. It's like, oh, where am I now? Yeah, I'm in the study, turning on a light switch. Mm. And, you know, and I did it coming in. And, you know, when you're doing something, you know, before we did this talk, you know, I was a little bit like, oh, what do I say? Will I be able to do this? What if she asks me something I can't answer? And um, actually, you know, I just went, no, hang on, Kira, where are you now? Mm. Where are you now? You're in the study. You're about to turn your computer on. Um, and I do it going up and down the stairs as well. Mm. So it's like, this is a step, a step, a step. Um, and it sounds, it's so simple. And that's the whole thing about mindfulness. But I love you know, that. Like often the most simplest things are the toughest to do. Yeah. It's, it's the simple is tough. It's simple, but it's not easy. That's yeah. the famous mindfulness quote, you know. Uh, yeah. And it is simple. But mm. by God, it's so hard. And it's especially hard. It's like that you know the good the things you need to be doing go out the window when you really need them yeah. um you know so it is just those having those little things that remind you i love those tips and ladies for those of you listening in that are struggling right now and want to make a change um <clears throat> the very first thing make that decision and don't worry about the rest and you can take your time then journaling about the rest and coming up with action steps and you can keep it slow and steady um, but the very first thing is to make that decision and just have the decision nailed on. And you may just get such wonderful uh, peace from that. Uh, Kira, so yeah. how can people get in touch with you? You're starting a mindfulness course. Um, tell me about the mindfulness course. And if they miss that course, how else can mm -hmm. they um, become part of your program or get in touch with you? 
Sure, sure. Um, so I, yes, there's a course starting next week, which is a six week introductory course uh, to mindfulness um, and positive psychology. So I guess with that course, what we do is the start of it is understanding what mindfulness is, what the practices are. It's not all sitting in meditation, informal. You know, we meditate for more, no more than half an hour a day um, in, when you're practicing mindfulness or practitioner um but you have 23 and a half hours of the rest of your day for informal practice so it's how we could do that uh we go on to talk a bit about self-compassion because as you've heard that's one of my um favorite areas and how we talk to ourselves and then we look at and we also work through how the mind works and then we look at what we can do actually to identify our thinking habits and what we can do to build our own positivity toolkit. So the last few sessions kind of are focused on building positivity to our positivity toolkit. And again, not in a Pollyanna way, but in a this is real life and what can I do here and now um, to have a more positive approach to this. Um, so, so yeah, so that's starting on the 25th and runs for six weeks. It's all online um, because I think it's easier for what's well, easier for me, certainly um, getting bedtime over with and not having to get out to a hall or whatever. Um, and I think it's, everybody's gotten very used yeah. to it. Um, I'm on Instagram. I'm getting more and more active um, on Instagram. Uh, at Calm with Kira is my handle. And, at Calm with um, Kira, C-A-L-M. Yes. C-E-A-R-A. Calm with Kira, yeah. C E A or A, so slightly different. W I T H C E A or A. Yeah, um, and then um, but I have a mobile number as well if people want to um, drop me a text or give me a call. So it's 87 For those of you listening in and who would love to get in touch with Kira. Um, to inquire more about her courses on mindfulness 087-915-2603 or at cam with kira and that's kira c-e-a-r-a yeah yeah and we'll have i have a membership opening up in the i'm trying to work on it these things again i i'm very bad at judging how long it takes me to do things but in the coming months so people will be able to join in and join meditations and little talks and things as well that might be a nice little introduction into the practice um, and we're moving on with you know round two courses as well for people who are looking to deepen their practice as well so, so there's plenty going on and uh, yeah always always there and um, yeah, yeah Kira, I'm so excited for you and I'm so excited to continue you, to Jessica. watch you on your amazing journey you're a complete inspiration um, and uh, the very best of luck with all that Thank you very much. And uh, thank you for all your support and your fabulous workouts. <laughs> all my love and Thanks. have a wonderful day. You Bye. too. Take care. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode and you must let me know by getting in touch. Don't forget you can head on over to jessicacook.ie where you'll find lots of free stuff to get you started on your journey.